Welcome to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. Each week, we'll be bringing you conversations about the mission of the Salvation Army right here in East Tennessee. For more information about the show and the work the Salvation Army is doing here in Knoxville, Tennessee, visit SalvationArmySoundcast.org forward slash BTS. Or you can visit SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. And welcome back to another episode of the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. My name is Ron Day. I'm your host, and our co-host is elusive today. Beans is not here, but we do have around the table, uh, starting at my left, we have Major Cameron Henderson. Sir, thank you very much for being with us. Glad to be we here. Also, it's been a little bit since I've been able to... You know it has, yeah. and I've missed you, sir. Oh. And, <laughs> and we also have Lieutenant Andrew Lewis, who is the Corps Officer with the Blunt County or Maryville Corps uh, that we have there. It was rocking and rolling over there in Blunt County, where I happen to live like that. And our guest of honor for this episode is none other than the incomparable, the one and only, David Wells, who also serves... How do you respond Welcome. to that? Welcome. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you also serve as a uh, county commissioner in Blunt County and uh, newly elected, kind of. I guess that's newly. What was it? Almost a year, I guess now, right? Getting close to a year. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, so, well, thank you for your service there. Um, and we're going to just... I'm, I really just like to jump in and have you tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, so far, all we got your name. And that you're a county commissioner. But please feel free. Um, uh, you can share as much or as little as you like. Um, How far back are we going? Well, we can, <laughs> we can go back to birth if you want. Well, this is only a 45-minute show. I was going to so. say, take a whole segment here and, and bore everybody to death with that. No, thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, we got to know each other, uh, Ron and I did back in uh, what we say radio days yeah. uh, when I was uh, um, almost 15-year general manager of a group of radio stations here mm-hmm. and Christian radio stations here in the Knoxville area, um, in, including Joy 620, which mm-hmm. you do this broadcast with, I do Presently, believe. yes. Yes, and uh, and uh, Talk Radio 760 that's there. And then we uh, also had, uh, at the time, Love 89 Life 88.3, which are now mm-hmm. K-Love and Air 1. Yep. Um, so it, it was a, a, a lot of fun that we got to spend some good time together. Uh, so from coming out of that and been with Emerald Youth Foundation for the last 12 years, um, but live in Blunt County, mm-hmm. have all my life. Grew up there. Grew up in a big city of Friendsville, and <laughs> nice. uh, and uh, went to went to school there in Blunt County, and then the University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. After that, with a degree in marketing, and uh, spent a few years trying to figure out what I was going to grow up and do. <laughs> uh, a couple of years, and then uh, my wife and I got married. She be- became a kindergarten teacher, which she yep. still does, and um, and done that for twenty seven plus years at the same school wow. um, in Blunt County. Uh, and then I, I jumped over into radio and stayed there. As I already said, what that career path was like. So mm-hmm. uh, I've enjoyed the, the the trek around the world. But the thing that's been constant for me has been living in Blunt County. Mm. Uh, so I've enjoyed yeah. my life there, raising two boys, and um, who are now uh, the last one just graduated high school. So he's moving on to to college now. So we're we're getting close to that period where it's just us again. That's yeah. neat. Oh my goodness. Are Good you ready you. for that? I'm not. I'm not hating. <laughs> <laughs> there, there, there's a there is a transitional thing that I think every stage of life you go through. It's a little different with your kids. This one's a little weird, but um, you know where our oldest is now uh, out of the house, got married, and trying to get in med school, and then our youngest just graduated high school is going to start UT. So it, it's a little bit different where we're doing things ourselves, and uh, then than what it has been to this right. point, but we're figuring it out. Yeah, uh, yeah. And again, we're not hating it. So, all right. All right. How do you get from radio mm-hmm. to Emerald Youth? 
Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. So, um, you know, I think I would just have to say the, the first thing I'd point to would be the Lord. Amen. Um, and him building a pathway for that to happen. Um, I wasn't planning for that to happen. Right. Um, in fact, I could tell you where I was standing in a conversation with my wife on the phone um, at, a, at the ballpark and saying, I'm not sure. This may be my last year. You know, here at the radio stations, and she didn't want to hear that, of course. And right. but she, she's the reason I started working there to begin with. She heard an advertisement for a position on the radio, um, and so I ended up working there and and then becoming general manager there. But um, so for for me, it was um, it was interesting segue uh, of the with Steve Diggs, who's the CEO and um, founding president of Emerald Youth Foundation, and I were friends and had gotten to know each other and spent uh, you know probably at least four meetings a year together, just kind of batting things around, learning from each other, kind mm-hmm. of iron, sh- iron sharpening iron, just like you would here in this community mm-hmm. with other leaders. And yep. um, and then one day we met and he said, hey, I'm, I'm doing this thing. I don't know if this would be a thing that you would have some interest in. And I said, you know, um, I don't know if I mm-hmm. would or wouldn't, but mm-hmm. but we can pray about it and talk about it, you know, and see where that goes. Um, little did I know that I was getting ready to have a conversation about a couple of the stations uh, where – uh, up for sale, mm. um, and not up for sale, but were being pursued to purchase. I should put it that way. <laughs> um, and um, at that <clears throat> that happened on the backside of all the conversations that I was already having with with Steve and and exploring what that might look like. And I'm like, man, this is ironic. Um, so it was just a new, unique scenario to to yeah. see that happen like it did. Um, it was hard. It was very difficult. There was a lot involved in that, including guys like Ron. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that were faithful to be there at the ministry and to think about leaving them not knowing what was going to happen with the radio station because I literally didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we sat down at the table with the staff. When I announced my resignation, the owner was sitting beside of me, and he was getting ready to announce what he was going to do with the two FMs. Wow. Of whether he's going to sell them, yeah. keep them, do something different, and I did not know what he's going to say. Mm-hmm. That was not a great day. <clears throat> no, um, but anyway, uh, so it was hard, yeah. but I had no doubt that the Lord was in it and that he had not only made a way for me, but if he had made a way for me, then he was going to make a way for the team mm-hmm. and the members of it. So then they became my passion. They, over the next month that I transitioned, um, I tried to find how they wanted to transition, what their next steps might look like, and encourage them through those processes and and try to help them any way that I can. And Ron knows some of those examples of the other staff members kind of, uh, some were harder than others, maybe what they had to do. But anyway, so when I left there, Ron actually helped me take my stuff and take it to Emerald Youth Foundation and <laughs> set it in my new office over there, which I know is a little bit weird, but, uh, <laughs> but that's, that's what transition looked like for me. Wow. Yeah. Well, that was, that was a difficult time for all of us, but ultimately, I mean, I, like you said, though, God made a way for everybody. Uh, that left there, you know, he already had a path developed. Sometimes we we forget that, that he already sees the end from the beginning. And so, uh, but I'm, I'm very grateful to the leadership you provided during that time because we really needed it, and, and you were you were right there to help lead us through that. But uh, but anyway, so I uh, want to get to some of the stuff you do in, in your current role as commissioner. Mm-hmm. Did I say it right? I keep trying to call you a congressman. I'm telling you, that's for there, there's a, there is no foreshadowing. There's a prophetic word there. <laughs> no, you, okay, no, you're misspoke. What? <laughs> that might be that's too. all it is. You misspoke. It's a pathetic word. You it's misspoke. Pathetic. 
Yeah. <laughs> they couldn't. Okay. That's prophetic. But anyway, uh, as a commissioner, I don't know what a county commissioner does, David Wells. I, I, I do not know. Uh, so would you mind just kind of nutshelling us, uh, well, not us, but for us, what mm-hmm. a county commissioner does? Sure. Uh, first of all, um, it is a pleasure to to step into that, um, and we can talk more about that process, and I think that's worth unpacking a little bit. But um, as far as a commissioner, uh, what we're responsible for is pretty much uh, allocating and appropriating the funds on behalf of the taxpayers okay. of the county. I mean, we're, we are the legislative body of the county. We are the ones who vote on the budget and allocate the funds of the budget to the various purposes that, that are there. Uh, we also um, help with the governing bodies that need to move forward um, changes in their regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are again being the legislative body. If they need to have things changed in planning department, yeah. you know, or in HR departments or various things, then and they need a uh, policy change, then we would have to be the ones who vote on those things. Okay. Uh, so we're the we're the policy makers and the money. Sp- allocators so I, yeah i didn't i didn't realize that that was a legislative role that you're playing there um i i kind of understood that you were appropriating funds in some ways for different projects and things um but i, I guess i didn't fully understand the power that's in this <laughs> please don't go there <laughs> but seriously i didn't understand that you guys are actually legislating from that role mm-hmm. uh that's that's uh, that's pretty neat, uh, and it's very helpful to us to get, to, especially for Lieutenant Lewis, who I know, because you know he deals, he has to deal with public policy and stuff constantly with some of the programs we have. Um, some of it's governed by grants and whoever provides us with the grants, but also by what we are allowed to do and what we are not allowed to do within the county that we serve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. No, I was going to say, what um, what are some of the initiatives that uh, that you're passionate about in in um, Blunt County? Um, uh, the Salvation Army is in in Blunt County, stationed in Maryville, but but all throughout Blunt County. What are some of the initiatives that you're seeing happening, or excited about, or wish to come forward? Or well, right, there's um, it's already been a heavy year. This is my mm-hmm. first year serving, and uh, there's been a, a I'd say at least three heavy topics mm-hmm. and. Uh, they tell me that usually you get one a year, and there's been three in the last nine months, and so it's it's been wow. it's been challenging, but it, it, it's been good because you get to you get to learn a lot really fast and move into that. But for me, you know, I, I think one of the areas of which uh, I get called on, I guess, to to speak into maybe some thought leadership, you know, has been around this subject. Of, and we we're all every every 21 commissioners are all involved in the growth of the county is is uh, seem to be exponential. Mm-hmm. Um, it's grown so fast, and so everyone's concerned about infrastructure. Everybody's concerned about how are we going to handle all this growth and what's the um, way of which we're going to deal with all of that. Uh, but in that process, there's been uh, some folks who wanted to try to band-aid some, pro- some, some things there with some resolutions mm-hmm. um, that would deal with lot sizes and um, increasing those to try to slow growth. Um, but, you know, everything that I've found has is, is really pointed the opposite direction of, of what they're trying to accomplish, and it led me down the path of um, looking at the people that we have there. It, Blunt County is made up of a group of people that that I'm really passionate about. It's been long my legacy mm-hmm. uh, to, to see that and see that community, what it's made up of and who it's made up of. Mm. Um, so that's a critical piece to know 
who your community is and what you want. If you want to maintain or keep the county in terms of culture, then you got to look up who it's made up by. Yeah. And so that's been a critical part, and it's been a working community. It's been on the backs of people who are working-class folks who have been the Blunt Countyans up through these years. And um, whether that's toward the city or out toward the, the mountains, I mean, it's just a, a slice of life of people that, that I think is unique. Um, and so to, to know that we've got a working-class public there, um, the problem is now that we've seen the escalation of cost of living um, that has gone skyrocketing, the people who live there are quickly becoming people who can't afford to live there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we have a we have a housing crisis. We have a housing issue. Um, and the very people that we want to have in the county can no longer afford to be there. It's just like you take an entire – we look at a neighborhood here in Knoxville and – uh, gentrification occurs where somebody comes in and buys up, you know, a block of houses um, and upgrades those houses, and all of a sudden the people who live in that neighborhood can no longer afford to live there anymore. And it happens neighborhood to neighborhood. Well, we see it happening not only in the entire county in Blunt County; it's now happening to the entire state of Tennessee. Right. Uh, well. So th- this this whole idea of gentrifying an entire state, um, but then boiling it down to my county, which is the area which I get to serve is extremely challenging. Um, some people want to talk about affordable housing. Um, that, that terminology, you know, is a very difficult to use because it has so many different connotations and uh, definitions. Yep. Um, so I don't deal with it in those terms. I deal with it, you know, more, more attainable housing because mm-hmm. um, it's not about a, a complex. It's not about apartments. It's not about this, this or that. Right. Um, but, you know, I had an opportunity growing up to, um, as I got married and um, and started my family, to have a home, mm-hmm. have a small home, um, and and start there. Um, but the opportunities to do that are getting less and less and much more expensive to where uh, you have to have a pretty good job in order just to get a standard home mm-hmm. in, in the county. So yeah. that has become a, a passion of mine to try to work through. So I'm working diligently and have some resolutions of, that I've uh, put forward uh, that deal with cluster developments in our community. Um, they weren't very well defined, therefore they weren't a very good opportunity, and they were getting abused and misused. Mm. Uh, so so much so that people wanted to stop using them, whereas they are a viable tool. It's just a matter of, it's like a hammer. You can use a hammer right or you can use it wrong. Mm-hmm. And our tool was wrongly used. Um, and so I've developed through with the planning committee um, – uh, being, I'm on the planning commission as well. So I'm, uh, with that planning commission, uh, we've developed together a program that uh, is is a viable program that uses mm. cluster developments properly. Uh, so again, it all goes back to this housing piece to try to figure out how do we do housing, how do we do this in the right way. None of it's going to be cheap. We can't make it that way. The market demands what sets the rate, but we can do our best to build the best community we can and afford the best we can. Yeah. All right. Well, well, thank you for that. Um, we're going to talk more about that, and especially when it comes to housing, um, and how how maybe the Salvation Army can maybe partner on some of that. Um, but we'll do that in a little bit. Right now, we're going to go to a break. Uh, we'll be back with our weekly devotional, and uh, after that, we'll be back with more from Congressman. I mean, Commissioner. <laughs> 
David Wells. <laughs> and the rest is going to leave. And, <laughs> please don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hi, and welcome back to more of the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. My name is Ron. I'm your host, and we are sitting here with today's. Well, I'm not sitting here with today's devotional. I guess I'm sitting here with the man that's going to be bringing today's <laughs> devotional. That's Major Cameron Henderson. I'm he is sitting here with, here with today's devotional. <laughs> yes, you are, and I'm glad that's the case. So, Major Cam, would you please take it away? Well, I'd, I'd love to start by giving testimony to my very, very sweet puppy dog, if I may. Uh, I may have mentioned it before. If I have, it bears repeating. We have a wonderful dog who um, I did not know what a blue tick hound was until I got this dog. And I didn't know the significance of a blue tick hound until I moved here. She is a blue tick hound slash basset hound mix. And she's just the cutest little dog. And um, anyway, she's she's a sweet thing. And she drives me nuts. <laughs> um, at uh, storm times, oh, yeah. uh, like we had one, uh, you know, a few days ago, then yeah. um, uh, lightning and thunder, and um, she can't stand it. And uh, she's she's pitiful. She, um, especially when it happens at night, she just cannot stand to be alone. Um, she just has to be near us. She sleeps on the, on the floor of our bedroom, whatever else. But, um, when, when she's scared, she stopped coming to my side cause she learned I'm not going to do anything and I sleep too hard. <laughs> so she now runs to her mom's side of the bed. Um, and so when she runs to her mom's side of the bed, uh, you know, the lightning and the, and the thunder, and then suddenly we're sleeping right through it, but you begin to feel just this little <laughs> boom, a little bump on the bed when that's her paws reaching up to the bump on the bed. And then um, if you could see in the dark, which sometimes you can see, it's a little it's light enough to see, you'll see her begging eyes and her intense stare, and she will stare right at us. And then you begin to feel the bed vibrating from <laughs> as she puts on wow. the, um, yes, as she puts on the tremors. Um, she's really good. She's very, very talented. These are talented oh, dogs. You understand? Know, right. Sounds like it. <laughs> anyway, and sometimes she'll stare at the window, and she'll she just stares, waiting for the next bright flash. As she's just pitiful, but she knows who to go to. Mm-hmm. She knows who to go to. Um, if she runs to her mama, she knows that her mama loves her and helps her right up on the bed sometimes, and just helps her find a place. Um, usually right up <laughs> near our faces and uh, just helps her get comfortable and everybody's able to go back to sleep and she just finds comfort and somehow she survives the night. Uh, you know, So she's <laughs> discovered, go to mama, and mama makes it all better and, um, and it's a good thing. Yeah. Well, um, I, I want to talk about Psalm 27 as much as I'd love talking about my puppy. Her name is Ruby, by the way, Ruby. That's, um, that's, our, that's our puppy dog. Uh, Psalm 27. Here in this Psalm 27 is a psalm of confidence. Um, It's a triumphant servant of God rejoicing in God's salvation and his protection. Uh, He's discovering that it's not even a fair fight. He's confident in God. It's just like, all I know is when I go to God, we win. And um, God wins over his enemies. I even says something along the lines of, and we'll get to it in a moment, but um, the enemies see me, but they can't reach me. Um, they can't get to me, and it's just amazing. So I run to God. It's also a psalm that expresses truth, that sometimes I still get afraid. 
Sometimes I'm still looking at the enemy instead of just keeping my eyes on the powerful king, but that's, you know, in my humanness, uh, David is wonderful at expressing very, very humanness, um, and I concur that I trust the Lord, I'm so confident, and sometimes I'll turn around and still look at the thing that makes me scared yeah. and uh, and tremor, and um, anyway, but here's a triumphant rejoicing in, in the midst of a trial, uh, so this trial is not over and yet David is trusting and confident. And so here we are in, in uh, Psalm 27. Um, and this, this I'd, I'd love to share a little bit on this over the next couple of uh, times together. But in Psalm 27, I'll just read the first parts of it. But here is a testimony, um, a testimony of God's goodness. And here he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. Like, not me, right? It's them who will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. And I love this. He says, the one thing I ask from the Lord, this is the thing that I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, and to seek Him in His temple. For in the day of trouble, He will keep me safe in His dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of His sacred tent, and He'll set me on a high rock. And then my head will be exalted above my enemies who surround me. At His sacred tent, I will sacrifice with shouts of joy. I'll sing and make music to the Lord. We've heard a lot of pieces from that psalm before it's like oh that's where that comes from you know when you read the psalms you go oh yeah i've sung that before or i remember that piece of a song because we tend to memorize a scripture or two or a verse or two or something but here's a psalm of confidence in the lord and and maybe you've given testimony sometimes about something good that's happened maybe someone's helped you and when you were stranded and you say you came to work at the end of that and said guess what somebody came and helped me or maybe you recognize god himself who came to your rescue when, when something happened to you and you were so excited and wanting to tell somebody else about it. Well, here's David giving testimony. Guess what my God does? Guess who he is? It's confidence in the God who saved me in the past. Uh, but I love how he starts this. It's a bold statement of who God is. The Lord is my light and my salvation. He is my stronghold. Those are powerful words. I'm not going to go through them all, but just even just um, a, a cursory reading to say, wow, God is my light. I guess he's in darkness and he needs light. God is my salvation because I'm in peril and I need to be saved. And God is a stronghold of my life because I'm weak and I feel like the world around me is more powerful than me and I need a stronghold. I need somewhere to run to. Yeah. And so he knows who God is. Um, how in the world does he know who, that he can trust in God? Well, God has saved him in the past, hasn't he? I mean, we know we can think through the stories um, that we've read in scriptures or from our Sunday school or something like that. We know that he has been saved. In fact, he says, when, when this has happened to me in the past, my enemies stumbled and fell. 
It's like past tense. It's like I know this has happened. I've seen it mm-hmm. before. And as he's telling this, as he is uh, reciting Psalm 27 or writing it down, um, I imagine he's remembering that. It happened before. Yeah, I remember that when it happened to the Philistines or when it happened to um, to uh, Goliath or, or somebody else. You know, it happened over and over again. When it happened with Saul, he protected me from Saul. So this has happened to him before, and in his mind's eye, he can remember. It's a testimony to himself, and so he's learned to have confidence in God that this is not on accident. God will protect me. This is the way God works. Maybe this has happened to you before. It's happened to me. Maybe you've been anxious about something, and then you watched God take care of it. Uh, I was afraid of the ones who I know will stumble and fall. Why do I need to be afraid of them? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I was afraid of the ones who I can testify. I have seen them stumble and fall in the past, and yet sometimes my heart and my mind still get anxious and still get afraid. So David says, why should I be afraid? Why should I be afraid? Well, here's what I want us to end with or think about. There's so much in this passage, all those different pieces. The one thing I ask of the Lord, um, sing and make music in your hearts. So we're not going to go through all of those things. But here's what, the reason he wants to ask the one thing of God, to let me stay with you, to run to to the Lord, is because he has such confidence because he knows who God is. Even more than he knows what God did or what God does, he knows who God is. Are you certain of who God is? Who is God? He can save me. He can give me light when I need help. He can be my stronghold when I need it. Yeah. And maybe some of us right now are in a situation where we say, I need light. I'm wrestling. I don't know what to do. Or I'm in darkness and I'm lost. I'm confused. Or I'm being attacked and I need salvation. Or you know what? The truth is, I'm stuck in my sin, and I need to be forgiven. God is my salvation. God is my light. God is my stronghold. So I invite you to consider that today. As you're driving or maybe you're exercising and listening to this uh, show and whatever you're in the midst of doing, um, in the midst of that, consider who is God And what difference does that make to the thing I'm facing right now? Maybe I'm anxious. Maybe I'm worried. Maybe I'm rejoicing. And I want to declare, this is who God is. I praise Him. God bless you today. We'll talk some more about this uh, in a future episode. Take care. God bless you. We'll be right back. And we're back with more. The Salvation Army's behind the shield. Again, my name is Ron. I'm your host. And we are hanging out with some pretty cool people, actually. Well, you know, Lieutenant Lewis, you're a pretty cool guy, right? I like to think I am. <laughs> he likes to think he is. And we have County Commissioner Blunt, County Commissioner David Wells with us as well. Thank you again for rejoining us here for this next segment. Uh, we've got seven segments, just so you know. We're just, so we're getting, I'm kidding. This is. <laughs> So thank you. He's, he's on his way out. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, well, thank you again for uh, for letting us get to know you a little bit uh, yeah. during that first segment. It was uh, um, I've known you for a long time, but these guys and our audience they have mm-hmm. not, and so we're grateful to for the opportunity to get to know you a little bit, uh, where you come from, where your heart is, and obviously your heart um, it's led by Christ into public service, and mm-hmm. uh, which is that's my hats off to you. Uh, if I had been registered in your district, I would have voted for you. We just talked about that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I think <laughs> I would have anyway. Okay. So Lieutenant Lewis, you actually asked a question off air, uh, regarding the, uh, affordable housing workshop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, let's pretend for a moment, let's pretend that I don't know what that is. And that, <laughs> so if you guys, you and, and, um, commissioner David Wells would, would kind of talk about that a little bit and what that is and how the Salvation Army is involved in it. Yeah, so the United Way of Blount County, they put together um, an invitation to pretty much anybody that was concerned. And so that um, came up with some partnering agencies, nonprofits that they work with, um, private citizens, but also um, different government officials, city of, city employees, county employees um, from the whole spectrum of Blount County. And what we are trying to do is trying to come up with uh, some great solutions, maybe education um, or resources that we can use to help address um, Alice families that are in our community, which Mm -hmm. Alice families are families who are above the poverty guideline, but below a living wage. Um, Because we all know that, you know, the cost of living has gone up Mm -hmm. and expenses has gone up and um, a lot of the incomes have pretty much stayed the same or even decreased. And so we're just trying to see what we can do as a collaboration um, along with the government to try to um, come up with a solution for our fellow neighbors that are there. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and there's a, there's a workshop that's happening. Now, this, this episode is going to be released um, after this workshop takes place. Um, but uh, on the day that we're recording this, the mm-hmm. workshop is tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and, um, are you, and you're going to be at that, right? Yeah, yeah, I will. Yes, I will be there. Um, It happens at least once a quarter, and um, it's a great invitation uh, for people to to get involved with something that's very, very crucial to a lot of our neighbors. Okay. Um, Mr. Wells, what, what is the, what's the level, feels weird calling you that, uh, what is the level of, uh, of importance for nonprofits such as the Salvation Army to be involved in things like this and programs like this? Is there from, from your seat, do you see that as being a, an extremely vital part of the, of, of the solution? Well, I definitely would say yes to that. I mean, we've just, it's like any, any type of, of leadership, whether it's community leadership or um, organizational leadership, mm-hmm. you know, no one can do it by anything like that by themselves. Right. So you you need to bring people around the table who, first of all, care um, and care about people. Um, that that it's not about something that scratches your itch, you know, or, or solves your problem. Um, but if you're there to serve, you know, which is the only reason I got involved in in politics it's hard to even say the word but yeah. <laughs> you know but is is to be able to serve the community that i love and 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 want to do what can be done so it, yes salvation army plays a, a very vital role there the the um, brand awareness mm-hmm. that people have with the salvation army and its history and its consistency you know is uh, is second to none so i mean to think that the resources that can be brought together not only uh 
programmatic resources, financial resources, but but community connectivity. Mm-hmm. I think there's a good hub there that Salvation Army can provide that 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 is helpful to do that uh, for yeah. the county and for the people that are there. Because again, uh, the, what you're talking about, that group of people that are going to be getting together, there, there are some folks who are rather rather passionate about this subject. Um, but you know, th- it's very difficult to actually put rubber to the road yeah. mm-hmm. um, to actually address the, the, the problem um, that we are finding ourselves in. Yeah. Uh, we want to do something really badly mm-hmm. because we see the, the issue in front of us that you basically have no control over. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't control the market demand sure. that drives up housing costs. Yep. It's like when you buy a bunch of hotel rooms, the cost of those hotel rooms are getting ready to go up because there's very there's fewer and fewer available that day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the same thing that happens in the market as housing becomes less and less and less available, the pricing goes up. Yeah. Uh, and so and it very rarely ever comes back down. Yeah. And so that's the problem. It's not like it ebbs and flows right. like a hotel room would, but uh, in this case, once you set that floor price it it very well pretty much stays there and grows even from there mm-hmm. uh, and so we got so many people moving from out of town moving to the area move moving from s- many many states away yeah. uh, you got a lot of things that are driving demand and uh, things in the community so yes to answer your question yes salvation army plays a big 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 role well and thank you go ahead well i was i was also going to say um i had the privilege to listened to, in my previous appointment, another planning commission um, at a Rotary Club, and um, they talked about, you know, this isn't just an isolated situation. You know, for 40 years ago, um, the population increases as well as the um, market for building houses, that has all um, decreased, or the population has increased, but the uh, infrastructure is going up for building houses. That number has decreased rapidly, and um, as we see the effects of that um it's for me it's slightly comforting that you know it's not just blunt county that's encompassing this or just even the state of tennessee but also the nation itself so there's i mean america we we got a great country here so mm-hmm. hopefully we got some good minds to yeah. um get some great resources well, together i don't want to throw shade on that but it doesn't comfort me at all <laughs> to to see i mean in all truthfulness looking at the state of tennessee and seeing what's happening in an entire state, not just our, our county. I mean, I'm glad we have people that are trying to solve the problem. Yes, right, and I right. know that's what you meant. Yeah. You know, we, the more heads we put around it, surely we can come up with something. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's very little momentum with it um, because there's not, a, there's not a lot that you can, can control. Yeah. Um, it's, it's programmatically what's going to happen, you know, when you gentrify a neighborhood or gentrify a county or, you know, when you're basically pricing people out of the market, where are they going to go? It's like I'm there, I have a home there, uh, and I'm thankful that I have it and got it when I got it, you know, but mm-hmm. I've got two boys that are that are pretty much leaving the house, and, you know, where are they going to live? They, right. they, they cannot afford to, to live in the very county that I live in, so where are they going to yeah. go? I don't want them to leave. Right. I want them to be right there with me. I want them to raise their family there. I want them to be around us and, and close to us if they, if they choose to be, right. you know, and there's very little pathway to make that possible, even for someone who makes a moderate income, um, it is very, very yeah. difficult. We're talking about you know apartment prices that are that would have rivaled big city mm-hmm. prices just a couple of years ago. Yep, you know, so very true. it's tough. You know, one of the programs that we've put in place, both in Maryville and in, in the other uh, counties that we serve as well, but um, 
specifically in Blount County, Pathway of Hope is a program that we've put in place there, but it's meant to, um, Families First is the official name of the grant. It's a, uh, it's a Tennessee state grant, but it is meant to uh, hopefully mitigate uh, ongoing perpetual uh, homelessness situations or impoverished situations moving forward. Now, we're trying to do that by changing the way people think and the, changing how they operate within their within their families. And so that just because their parents were poor and their parents were poor doesn't necessarily mean that they have to do that as well, that they can learn a new way. So that's part of what the Pathway of Hope is really meant for. However, that we're, we're, we're helping, I believe we're, we're going to be making some some headway there. But we're also contending with those same problems with the housing prices going up and inflation and all that stuff. We can change the way people think, which is going to help, but that's not going to solve the problem necessarily. It may give, you know, it, it, it anyway, I'm, I'm like you, I don't want to throw shade on it, but at the same time, I'm seeing kind of a back and forth there with what we're doing versus the, what we're up against because mm-hmm. it's changing every day. What you're saying is right. I mean, what the, what you're trying to do obviously right. is right. And you're trying to change someone's, uh, pro- um, projected pathway mm-hmm. for their life um, and giving them hope and saying, this is how you um, get out of these cycles right. mm-hmm. uh, and change your family tree, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's correct. But a way to, uh, you need a practical application to say, okay, if you do these things, then, then you can h- take this next step mm-hmm. uh, and you can, maybe we can help you get into a home here. You know, and there's, there's some organizations that are directly involved in, in trying to do that trying to go in and build um, more affordable homes. Um, I, I use the word more affordable homes or more attainable homes, um, starter homes, mm-hmm. um, and, and communities where that can be done. But um, but even those are at a price point now to where it's, it's really challenging. So how do you how do you take someone that you're encouraging to break a cycle yeah. uh, and, and change their habits and get a job and keep a job and, and, and earn a living um, – and their their question is, well, where am I going to go live then? Right. Uh, where can I stay? Mm-hmm. And, and unless you've got a place that I can afford to to be in, I mean, they, well, they'll say you might say, show me a house that I can live in for a thousand dollars a month, right. which is a big number to some people. Mm-hmm. I got nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. I got I got nothing. I mean, yep. they, there's not an apartment. Right. That's that's a thousand dollars. I mean, the the a one bedroom apartment is 1500 mm-hmm. plus, you know? Uh, so there's, I don't, the, yeah. the options have really gotten challenging. So really, the, the yeah. reality is how do you do this? I mean, what are we going to live in hostels? I mean, what are we going to do here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah. you're going to have a bunkhouse for everybody to live in. I mean, that's not practical, right? So right. that, and that's not encouraging to those folks <laughs> who are trying to get out of circumstances. How do I, how do I have a chance to raise my family? Do this. So we, we do have a big challenge to, to try to find that thing yeah. and and maybe the economy starts to s- settle and set in somewhere where then they can quit mm-hmm. moving the needle or yep. quit moving the target, I should say. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can figure out how to at least attack it. Right. You know, right now the target's been moving, so we don't really, it's been hard to do that. Well, I'm grateful for people like you uh, and there's others that, that sit on that commission that, that, that do the work every day and actually take it seriously and, 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 and do so in service to the people in your County uh, or specifically your district. But I'm, I'm, I am grateful to have you guys 
um, I don't know if the rest of the folks that are on that commission are as sharp as you are, Mr. Wells, but, and I, I, I say that some tongue in cheek, but the truth is I, I really, obviously I have a lot of admiration for you and having known you for so long. Um, and so I, I feel that at least, uh, your district is in good hands. Um, we have a good commission. We've got 21 of us and I would, I would tell you that 21 of us are, um, working diligently to try to figure this out good deal um you know along with our county mayor and his staff and and the people involved in his departments um there's several things that we're trying to address this is one of the bigger ones Mm -hmm. um but uh, i think everybody sees it we know it um the the uh, we're going through a reappraisal right now and we're setting the tax rate this month we're not very popular right now yeah (laughs) you know um because we're trying to figure out how do we keep it absolutely the lowest possible uh, yet do the things that on behalf of the county and its staff yeah. and, and the things that need to be done uh, for the police department and other things like that that need to be done. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a really tough position to be in, um, but it's one we signed up for yeah. to be that. And and so if you know what you signed up for, you can't be you know right. uh, upset by it. You know, Just get in and make the best decision you can and, and share with people the truth. I figure that... The truth is just what it is, and mm-hmm. and so I can share that, and I can be confident with that. I don't have to dance around the truth, mm-hmm. um, you know. And then we talk about, you know, we if we can have cordial conversation, you know, the uh, the Baker Center that's right here in Knoxville. I I, I personally want to get to know it even more and mm-hmm. get to know it a little bit now, and uh, because that guy did a lot of things right. Um, he actually the, the, they've got a podcast with. Uh, uh, Governor Bredesen and Governor Haslam mm-hmm. uh, that they do together called You Might Be Right. It's really good. Um, talks about civil discourse yeah. uh, around really tough topics and how you can actually talk about stuff you don't agree with necessarily, but yet you can have civil conversation about it. Wow. Um, and we've got to get good at that yep. in our country, but even locally. Yeah. We've got to figure out how to agree to disagree and mm-hmm. how we can all unite around some central purpose, but how we get there we might differ. Yeah. But if we know what we're trying to get to, you know, that's what should bring us together to have good ideas. Yeah. I might want to t- approach it one way. You might want to approach it another. And that should all be good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Agreed. Perfect. Well, we're going to uh, we're gonna jump to a break. And we'll be back in a little bit to, to wrap things up. But uh, thank you, Commissioner thank you David Wells, for, for joining us. Uh, getting that correct. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for joining us. It's been, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing a little bit with us about you, about what you do in Blunt County, uh, and about Enrolled Youth Foundation as well. Uh, for those of you out there that would like, if you have questions uh, about the show, if you'd like to get involved with the Salvation Army, you can do that. Give us a call at 865-525-9401. You can also find us at SalvationArmyKnoxville.org. Now, Here's the time for the plug for uh, for Emerald Youth. Oh. Uh, throw that out there. How can, how can they find out about Emerald Youth and what you guys do there? Well, the easiest thing is the website, okay. emeraldyouth.org. Emeraldyouth.org. Yeah, that'll get you to all the things that we do in the inner city, working with urban um, families and communities here in Knoxville. Perfect. Okay. David, thank you once again. Lieutenant Lewis, thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Salvation Army's Behind the Shield. If you have an idea for a guest or for any questions about the show, reach out to us at ron.day at uss.salvationarmy.org. Or you can visit salvationarmysoundcast.org forward slash BTS for more information.